It's Mother's Day, and I have a question. How much would it cost if we paid our moms for what they do? So I, uh, I got online, and the folks at salary.com have helped us out. Uh, first thing they did is they looked at how many hours a week, on average, full-time, stay-at-home moms work. What do you think? How many hours a week? Let's see it. 92 hours a week. It's a lot of overtime. And then they looked at the job itself. And they came up with the top 10 things that moms do in order of time spent. So let's look at it. Housekeeper, daycare center operator, cook, computer operator, laundry machine operator, janitor, facilities manager, van driver, CEO, and psychologist. Yeah. So they calculated all those jobs and the number of hours that are spent in each of those areas. And what do you think the annual salary would be for moms? Let's look at that. $143,000. I hear it. You're disappointed in that. And here I was going to say, moms, you ought to ask for a raise. And you're like... Man, that's nothing. Well, we do want to honor you today on this Mother's Day. So I'm going to ask all the moms, would you stand just so that we can express our appreciation and love to you for what you do? Moms, stand. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. Even as we honor our moms, I know that there are some people for whom this holiday brings pain. Maybe you're a, a woman that would love to have children and can't. I talked with one lady this week who is grieving the loss of her mom, and she talked about how this Mother's Day was going to be especially hard for her. Maybe um, you have a mom that you have a hard time celebrating. I don't know what your situation is, but I do know on this Mother's Day that God knows your situation, and He can comfort you, and He can provide healing for you, and so I trust that He will do that if this is a difficult day for you. Well, we're in this series called The Family Business, the second week. Last week, our kids started off by doing this not-so-terrible parable. Man, I thought our kids were awesome. Yeah, did a great job last week. So proud of our kids and so proud of Pastor Holly and all of her team. So today, I'm going to be talking for just a few minutes, because we still have some other stuff coming, about this whole issue of running the family business. I'm going to be really talking to parents today. And I know not everybody here uh, are parents, and so I, I hope that what I say will be applicable to you as well. But we're going to look at the text that you see on the wall in the clubhouse. If you have been in the children's ministries area, you see that wall outside uh, the clubhouse on the hallway uh, from Deuteronomy 6, 
7. And so, since I'm talking about parenting, it seemed natural to use the text that you see almost every day if you're there working in the daycare or at least weekly if you're around the children's area. So, uh, the chapter immediately before what we're going to look at is where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments at the foot of Mount Sinai. And then comes this chapter, chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first seven verses. Would you like to read it out loud with me? These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. And this is what's on the wall there back in the clubhouse. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So Moses is talking to parents here. This challenge is squarely on your shoulders, parents. The ball's in your court. Your work in this family business is absolutely critical for us to accomplish our mission. No pressure. You have a challenging job. So, the first question I have is, what is the message? What is it that we are supposed to be impressing on our children? we got to get this right, friends, because there's a lot of false teaching going on in our culture. There's a lot of voices that clamor for the attention of our children. So if we're not sure what we need to impress on them, we're in big trouble. So here it is. Here's the bottom line of it. We need to teach that God is at the center of life. That life makes sense when God is is at the center of it. You just read in the passage the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And Jesus echoed this in the New Testament. You remember when the teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Well, Jesus answered very similarly to what you just read. Let's look at it. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So that's it. That's kind of the bottom line. That's the heart of it. We need to teach our kids to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love their neighbor 
as they love themselves. So uh, themselves. So how? That's the next question. How do we do that? How do we maximize the chances that our kids are really going to get this? Well, I think it starts with our example. We need to model this. You've heard it said that it doesn't matter as much what you say as much as what you do. That is so true in parenting. Your kids are watching you. And if you put God at the center of life, if they hear you talking about what they think, about what you think Jesus would do in any given situation, if they see you living your life in that Jesus style, how you value people, how you serve people, your humility, your conviction then they will understand that this is a big deal, that this is important to put God at the center of life. Another aspect of how is specifically talked about in that last verse that we read. Let's just look at that last verse, verse 7, one more time. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, which means at night, when you get up, which means in the morning. In other words, whenever. Whenever the opportunity arises, talk about this stuff. Teachable moments happen all the time. In the car, at the store, at home. So parents, be ready and take advantage of those opportunities that present themselves. That's what that scripture talks about. But more than just that, I think it challenges us to prioritize these devotional times with our kids. To structure times where we can be together as a family and where we can work with our kids about who God is and his love for them and his plan for them. So important. And I I know that's hard. I know we are so busy as families and kids are going every different direction. And so I don't want to be prescriptive, but I want to just challenge you. Figure out what that looks like in your family and make that a priority. One other thing I want to talk about as it relates to how is what I see as a big potential pitfall in this area of parenting. And I think it happens more with those of us that care the most. I think it's possible for us to end up pushing our kids away from God even as we are trying to help them embrace God. I think what happens is we, we see a verse like we're talking about today that says, impress these truths, these commandments on your children. And so we try and we want to do that so badly. And we think what that looks like is to force it on them. To control them so that they won't stray away 
from the truth. But you know what? Nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody likes to be controlled, especially as your kids get older. That is a bad idea. I talked with a lady today, uh, this week who came from a very strong Christian home. Her parents were leaders in the church. And she said, honestly for me, growing up, the whole issue of God and the church was not a positive thing. It was a very negative thing. My parents were rigid. They were controlling. They were coercive. I grew up thinking God must hate anything fun. And that person today has removed herself from any involvement with the church. That's really sad to me. Because I know that person's parents. And I know those parents wanted more than anything that their kids would know Christ. But somehow, in how they did it, it all backfired. There's a better way. And when I thought about how to share that with you, I just thought the best thing I could do is just give you a case study of my mom and dad. Um, because I was there. I lived it. My parents were not perfect by any means, but they are worth following. Their example is worth following. So I just want to share with you what it was like to grow up in my home. First thing that jumps out at me is that my parents were passionate followers of Jesus. This whole modeling thing that I talked about earlier, boy, that was them. They lived it. And not just in the good times, but especially in the bad times, in a crisis time. I remember when I was, I think, 10 years old, our family went through a crisis. We went on vacation one summer, when we came back, some people had made some false accusations of my dad. He was a Nazarene pastor in Indiana. And when we came back home, within two weeks, his credentials were taken from him, he lost his church, and we were forced to move out of our parsonage. We moved to St. Mary's, Ohio, where my grandparents lived. It was a horrible time. And as I reflect back on that, I think, you know what? My dad could have easily just walked away from God and the church that rejected him. My mom could have believed those accusations and divorced dad. But they, they didn't do any of those things. Instead, they clung even more to Jesus and said, God, we're in trouble. You know, we need your help. And as soon as they moved to St. Mary's, they got us immediately involved in that Nazarene church. 
And they were involved themselves. And that ended up being a very positive experience for all of us boys. But it wasn't just the church. It was what happened at home. They prioritized those family devotional times that I'm challenging you to figure out how to do. Most of them were very mundane. After dinner, just read a little devotional from our daily bread and say a prayer. Usually Sunday after lunch was a little more extended. Dad would ask us how we're doing. We'd, we'd sit in the living room, which I remember was like the only time all week long that we were in the living room was Sunday after lunch for family devotions. And so he would listen and coach us a little, and then we would all pray, and all of us boys would pray, go around the room. I'm told that when I was just a little guy, every time it came my turn, I would pray for the garbage man. I guess garbage men need prayer too. So those times were important, but I think just how they treated us, they were such loving parents. My mom was embarrassingly affectionate. My dad, um, I, would, I would be sitting in the room, and dad would always come in, and he had this little thing. Every time he just put his hand inside my shirt and just do this on my chest. Most of the time he didn't say a word. Um, when he did say something, it was usually like, I'm proud of you, son. Over and over and over again, we heard, God has a great plan for your life. You're special. We love you. When we messed up, they disciplined us. Uh, they clearly communicated the expectations and the consequences. I don't, think they, I don't think they were overly strict or overly permissive. But uh, we knew what was expected and when we messed up, they made sure that we paid the consequences. But it wasn't out of anger. It was more they were sad and disappointed. And when we would kind of own up, uh, they would encourage us and remind us of God's grace and their forgiveness and just help us learn from this lesson. Another thing I think that was very impactful to me was just how they taught us to serve. I remember several times mom coming into the bedroom and she had a brown paper grocery sack. And she said, I want you to fill this up. Go through your drawers, your closet. I want you to fill this up because we're going to take these to Jeff Young. Jeff was a kid that was a couple years younger than me. Uh, lived, lived, he was part of a very poor family. Attended our church. So I would do that, and we would go over, and she would ring the doorbell, and it wasn't a big production. She would just say something like, hey, just wanted to drop off some things, thought Jeff might be able to use them. Um, we love you guys. And then we'd get in the car and go home. 
But that feeling of, wow, this is good. This is the right thing to do because we have more than they have. And so we should share. That was just ingrained in my life. Just how they live their lives. You know, um, the influence that they had out in the community. Dad had to start over again in his career, and he found a job as a social worker. I think he made $6,000 that year. Uh, but he was promoted and ended up, ended up being the, what is now called the Director of Children and Family Services for our county and served God in that way, distributing aid and helping in abuse cases and that kind of thing. Mom went back to teaching. Um, she influenced a whole generation of students, mainly fifth graders. And that investment is still paying off. Not long ago, my brother called me. This was maybe less than a month ago. He called me. He said, we had a great day at church today. He still goes to the St. Mary's Church. He said, we had a baby dedication. And he said, some extended family came. And after the service, a guy came up to me, distinguished gentleman. He said, my name is Don Thomas. I don't know if you remember me. Doug said, yeah, I remember you. We he was a couple of years younger than Doug. They played on the football team together. Don said, I'm sorry that your mom passed away, but I want to tell you about your mom's impact on my life. She was my teacher. And when this school year started, my confidence was very low. My grades were bad. But, you know, your mom saw something in me that I didn't see. And so she made it her mission to encourage me and challenge me to do better. And through that year, I responded to that challenge, and my grades drastically changed and changed the whole trajectory of my life and my motivation and my self-confidence. Doug said, um, you ought to look him up. Look him up on Google. So I said, okay. So I did. He's a medical doctor. He is the associate professor of medicine at the medical center there in Bethesda, Maryland. And he wrote the book, The Lupus Encyclopedia. He's one of the world's leading authorities on the treatment of lupus. Mom had no idea when little Donnie Thomas was a fifth grader what he would become. But you know what? She had a very clear sense of calling that she was going to invest her life in every one of those little kids and help them be the best that they can be. So friends, it's not hard to understand that all four of my, uh, me and my three brothers chose to follow Jesus and fulfill his calling for our, our lives? Why wouldn't we? With that kind of example. And so the challenge is on you today. I know it's a tough job. But God will help you. He will empower you to be a difference maker in your home and in your job so that what your kids see 
is a godly parent. We're going to pray together in just a minute. Pastor Alex is going to come and lead us. Then we're going to baptize a couple of folks. It's interesting to me, when I think about the two people that we're going to baptize, because one young lady comes from a very godly, wonderful home. The kind of home that God wants every kid to grow up in. The other one, her story is totally the opposite. She comes from an awful home. But you know what amazes me? That whether it's God's plan A, or whether it's not, He still is working redemptively. So we get to celebrate that today. I'm excited about it. Pastor Alex, come and lead us as we pray.